0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other in Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. All right, good morning, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your conversations, but <clears throat> we're going to jump into the message. So glad to be here celebrating with you this morning. Excuse me. <coughs> Ah, there we go. Uh, that'll get your attention. Let me cough right in the mic. Hey, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box and I'm uh, the lead pastor here at Midtown Church and love that we're here together celebrating this morning. Well, I don't know about you do, you. do y'all have a TV show that you watch like every week? I think some of y'all have one right now that just started watching that. I won't say, I won't comment on that, but um, my family, we have a uh, show we watch every single week. It's uh, AFV or America's Funniest Videos. My kids, they love that show. We watch it basically. It comes on Sunday, but we watch it on Monday after dinner. We'll watch the last the last episode and uh, just have a great great time together. And it's funny because last week's episode, or at least I think it was last week's episode, it was whatever it was on Hulu, um, had a video. Of a prank that was ridiculous. This uh, this person was pranked on Christmas morning with a fake scratch-off lottery ticket. Do you know those existed? I didn't even know that those existed. But apparently, this one you know one family member bought everybody in the family a scratch-off lottery ticket, and everyone got a real one except for one. Poor woman who got the fake one. And no one won anything on the scratch off except for this woman with the fake one. She thought that she had won $20,000. And she responded the way you would have responded if you thought that you had won $20,000. I mean, she's jumping up and down. She's screaming. I mean, she is losing her mind, high fiving everyone. And then finally, the, the one who was pulling the prank said, Hey, flip it over, flip it over, and see where do you redeem the ticket? And so she starts reading it, and it, it just starts dawning on her as she reads the fine print. This is a prank, and to put it lightly, she was not amused. I actually found the video, but I could only find the unedited video on, on the Internet. And let me just say, uh, it, it wasn't exactly Easter Sunday appropriate, the, the word choices that she was going for at that, at that moment. Now, when I saw that video this week, it made me think about this morning. See, for East, on Easter, millions and millions of people gather with their church and they excitedly and they joyfully celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But what if the joke is on us? I mean, what if what, if what we're celebrating on this morning is just a giant hoax? Or, or a myth that's been passed down generation after generation? To put it mildly, that would be the worst. <laughs> that would be the worst. In fact, like, let me just quote uh, the, the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says it this way. He says, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. See, guys, <laughs> the reason that Paul would say that is because the entirety of the Christian faith like 100% depends on whether Jesus actually died and rose again. It depends on what we are celebrating on this day. Like meaning it's, it's just not an overstatement to say that the Christian the Christian faith it rises and falls completely on the resurrection of Jesus or to say it another way that everything else in the Christian faith is secondary to this. Not to say that everything else isn't important, it's just secondary In its importance. I mean, that's what Paul's getting at. He's saying, like, if if Christ has not risen from the dead, then our, our preaching is useless. Like, what we teach is useless, and so is your faith. It's pointless. Like, the Christian faith itself is pointless. It's useless if Christ has not risen from the grave. Which then begs the question well, did he? Right? I mean, it makes it important for us to actually consider, did Jesus actually rise again? And, and, and to evaluate, is it, even, is it even rational for a scientifically minded person in 2019 to actually think that a dead man came back to life, that Jesus rose again? And so we're going to talk about that this morning. In fact, today we're kicking off a four-week teaching series that we're calling "Risen," right? And and uh, what we're going to do in this series, this Risen series, is that um, the next three weeks—not today, but for the next the three weeks following—we're going to actually look at the eyewitness testimonies of those who said they saw Jesus rise again. They actually saw the resurrected Jesus. And we're going to look at who they are. We're going to test their credibility as best we can and evaluate what they said and who they were and why they might have said that and how it affected their life. I'm really excited about this. In fact, next week, we're going to actually look at those who the first people who saw Jesus alive after he had died. That would be the women that followed Jesus. And we're going to look at their testimony. And, man, I am so excited about that message. I almost taught that message today. But uh, I'm holding off on it, so you, guys, you, you should come back next Sunday, all right? How's that for a shameless plug? But um, <laughs> I, didn't, I decided not to go there uh, this Sunday because I thought it would be most helpful if we actually kind of used this Sunday to get a bit of an overview of kind of three uh, key questions in regards to Jesus' resurrection. Those questions being, uh, like, what are, what's the evidence that he rose again? And then What does it mean if he did rise again? Like, why would it be significant? And then the third question being, if he did, and it means what the Bible says it means, then how should we respond? So did he, and what does it mean if he did, and then how should we respond? That's where we're going to go this morning. So let's just jump right in with that first question. Uh, Did the resurrection of Jesus actually happen? Now, before I dive into that, let me just make a, a quick observation about the nature of this question specifically. See, I want you to, to notice this question. Did the resurrection happen? Did Jesus rise again? Now, that, that's an objective question. That's not a subjective question. See, that, which means that this question, you don't answer it based off of your feelings. But it, it's actually a historical event that either happened or it, it didn't happen. And personally, like, I find a lot of comfort there. Because what that means is that the Christian faith can be explored, can be evaluated rationally. That because the very essence of the Christian faith, the linchpin to the whole thing. If Christ didn't rise again, then then our faith is useless. But if he did, then then there's something to this, right? The thing, is, it all boils down to a historical event that either happened or didn't happen. And so that means, guys, friends, that the Christian faith, it invites questioning. It invites investigation. It invites exploration. It, 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 It encourages you to use your mind. The, the Christian faith, contrary to uh, you know, some of its reputation, it, it's not a call to blind faith. The, the whole essence boils down to something that you can actually use reasoning to explore historically. Did it happen or did it not happen? So anyways, I just offer that to you to say, I, I find a lot of comfort there. But enough of that, let's, let's actually look at some of the evidence. Like, is there any evidence that Jesus... Rose again, and let me let me just say there, there's so much that uh, I could say on this. I mean, there's books and books and books that have been written, and I would encourage you to look into those things. But for now, especially in light of the fact that we're going to talk about this for four weeks, so three more, I have three more weeks after this, so I'm not going to try to say everything this morning. What I want to focus on this morning is just uh, five pieces of evidence that are widely agreed upon, like the vast amount of scholars, both non-Christians, secular scholars, scholars of other religions, and Christian scholars, like across the board. These are five pieces of evidence that are just widely agreed upon, like super widely agreed upon. That's, that's all I want us to consider this morning. And the first one is this. Jesus died by Roman crucifixion. And the reason I would start there is because uh, <laughs> it, it, it's important for someone to rise again uh, to actually have died first, right? And so this actually speaks to Jesus' condition when he was put in the tomb. And uh, it's worth noting that every historical source from the first century uh, refers to this detail of Jesus' life, that all four accounts of his life in the New Testament, in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel accounts of his life, uh, say that Jesus died on the cross. In addition, the non-biblical sources or extra-biblical sources of the first century, including the writings of Josephus and Tacitus, both mention that uh, Jesus was crucified by the Romans. And uh, I don't know if you know this about the Romans, but they were really good at killing people. And uh, they, 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 you know, they had a lot of practice. And so uh, it's very rational to believe that when Jesus was crucified, he died. Like, he didn't, he didn't faint or swoon. He wasn't just injured. Jesus, he, he died on the cross. Every, every first century source testifies to that. Okay, the second thing that scholars widely agree upon, no matter what camp they're coming from, they just agree upon this, and this is a big one, is that the tomb was empty. The tomb where Jesus was laid on Friday was empty on Sunday morning, this is where pastors use their favorite joke, the favorite pun of all time is, is to say, there was, there was no body in the tomb. Did you catch that? No, no body in the, in the tomb. And it's rough, right? I shouldn't have done it, but I just, you know. But there's a ton of evidence that, there really, that Jesus was not in the tomb. And one of the biggest pieces of evidence is that the opponents to Jesus, those who rallied together to see Jesus crucified, to get him crucified, when they heard that people were claiming that Jesus had risen again, do you know what they did not do? They did not go and produce Jesus' body. Now, listen, this is interesting because Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem and he was buried in a tomb just outside of Jerusalem. And just a couple days after he had been killed, the story started in Jerusalem. Just a couple days that Jesus had risen again. So if, they, if the opponents of Jesus wanted to you know, snuff that out, they could have just walked to the tomb and said, no, look, there he is. But they didn't. What the opponents of the uh, of jesus did is that they said his body must have been stolen and, and don't miss what that means it means they they recognized the body wasn't there now they had a reason they had and it's perhaps a rational reason for why they they said someone stole the body but no one said no no the body is there everyone historically widely agreed upon everyone says okay the tomb was empty so Jesus died and the tomb was empty. Okay, second bit of evidence is this. It's widely agreed upon is that many claim to have seen Jesus alive after he had died. Now, whether you believe their claims, that's, you know, <laughs> that's up for you to decide. But I think it's worth noting that many, 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 many people claimed to have seen Jesus alive. In fact, um, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, uh, it includes a creed which many Bible scholars uh, believe can be dated back all the way to within about five years of Jesus' death and claimed resurrection. Like within five years. Like that's incredibly remarkable. And in this creed, which Paul includes in the letter of 1 Corinthians 15, he, he, uh, it, it, the creed states that... The um, resurrection, the risen Jesus, was witnessed by over 500 people. Like over 500 people claimed to have seen Jesus risen again. Now that's not insignificant, isn't it? And then the, the creed goes on to state and that many of them are still alive. And the reason that that's in there is because it tips people off that they can actually go and talk to these witnesses. Like, there's he's saying, like, here, 500 people, over 500 people claim to see Jesus alive. They're still alive. Go talk to them. Now, that would be a really weird thing to include if this was just a hoax, right? I mean, why why say that if this is just a, a myth? Now, think about this for a second. If you were a juror in a court case, and there was a witness that came up to the stand and she said that she saw something. And then another witness was you know, called up to the stand, and she said she saw the same thing. And then another witness was called up to the stand, and he said he saw the same thing, and then another and, and that happened 500 times. <laughs> At some point in time, you're thinking, okay, 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 right? Well, friends, that's the claim. 500 people, and really more than that, claim to have seen Jesus alive after he had died. All historians agree that the people made that claim. Again, it's up to you to decide, are they credible? That's what we're going to actually look into some in the following weeks. But it's worth noting. That many people claim to have seen Jesus, right? Okay, let me go to the fourth one. The fourth one is this, that uh, the disciples believed and taught that Jesus had risen and they were willing to suffer for that belief. So whether, again, whether you believe uh, them or not, I think it's fair to say that they certainly believed that Jesus had risen. Historians agree that the early Christian community was unanimous and their uh, proclamation that Jesus had died and that he had physically risen. The four gospel accounts of Jesus' life, the sermon and acts, the letters to the early churches in the New Testament, that despite all of their unique writing styles and various authors and unique elements and details, all of them made the same claim. Jesus died, and then he rose again. In addition, if you were to Google uh, where did Jesus' disciples die, it's pretty intriguing. You might hold off right now, but I'd encourage you to do that later. But um, what you'll find, though, is that his disciples, the history reports that they died in various places throughout the world, from as far south as Ethiopia to Rome to Persia and beyond. Now, why did they do that? Well, because they claimed they had seen Jesus rise again. And so they left Jerusalem, and they went all over the place to tell people that. And then in addition to that, in going and telling people all over the world the news, they suffered for making that proclamation. I love what Timothy Keller says in his book, Reason for God. He says... Uh, about the disciples' testimony and their willingness to suffer for it. He says, there's one more thing to keep in mind. As Pascal put it, I believe those witnesses that get their throats cut. Virtually all the apostles and early Christian leaders died for their faith. And it is hard to believe that this kind of powerful self-sacrifice would be done to support a hoax. Now, let me, let me just concede. It, it, it's certainly not, like, rare it's not super rare for sure, uh, for people to die for what they believe is true. That, that's, that happens quite often still today. However, it is rare, if, if, if ever, do people willingly die for what they know is not true. And if the claim is that the disciples stole Jesus' body then they would have been dying for the very thing that they knew was not true. And friends, let me just say, like, that is not a rational conclusion. It just, it's, that is so much more unlikely than the belief that they actually said that they saw Jesus. And therefore, they were willing to die for that. They saw the man they loved die and rise again. And so they said, okay, that is worth leaving home and telling everybody about, even if it costs us our life. And then the final bit of evidence here that I'll mention this morning that's just widely agreed upon, no matter what camp you're coming from, is this, that the people who claimed they saw the resurrected Jesus experienced radical life change afterwards. As I mentioned before, we're going to explore these stories more fully over the next few weeks. But for now, it's worth mentioning that history shows that the people who claimed to have seen Jesus risen were not the same Afterwards, right, the trajectory of their entire lives changed. And think about Saul. Saul was the persecutor of the church. He was trying to stamp out the Jesus movement, actually killing Christians. And then he claims he saw the risen Jesus. And afterwards, his name changes to Paul. He spends the rest of his life planting churches, starting churches, telling people about Jesus. Like, that's a direct 180. How do you explain that? He would say it's because he saw Jesus risen again. Or you think about the disciples. The disciples followed Jesus, but whenever he died on the cross, they went and hid, afraid that they too would be killed. Some of them went back to their old profession. They went back to fishing. Others just had tons and tons of doubt. And then they would say they saw the risen Jesus. And they spent the rest of their lives doing what I was just talking about, going all over the world, telling people about Jesus willingly, dying for it. How do you explain that? Something happened. Historians all say something happened. These people's lives were changed. They were headed one way and then they started heading a different way. They, the witnesses, would say the reason their lives changed is because they saw a dead man walking. They saw Jesus die and they saw him come back to life. And friends, all in all, here's the evidence. And again, this is evidence that's just widely agreed upon. It's that Jesus died by Roman crucifixion. The tomb was empty. Many claimed to have seen Jesus alive after he had died. The disciples believed it and taught it, and, it, and then they were willing to suffer for that. And the people who claimed that they saw the resurrected Jesus had their lives completely transformed. And here's my encouragement to y'all this morning Will you wrestle with that? Like, think about that. Again, no, like, this is such a, I love this aspect of the Christian faith. Like, this is my invitation, and it's really Jesus' invitation to you. Don't just have blind faith. Reason, question, use rationality, but deal with this. What do you think happened? I love what uh, Professor Thomas Arnold, the author of The History of Rome and a former Uh, Chair of Modern History at Oxford University said. Now just to note who this guy was again. He he was someone who was well acquainted with uh, evaluation evidence to determine historical fact. And after carefully sifting through the historical evidence for the resurrection of Christ, the great scholar said this, I have been used for many years to study the histories of other times and to examine and weigh the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proven by better and fuller evidence, evidence of in, of every sort, than the great sign which God has given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. Think on that. And as you do, I think it's at least fair to 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 at least proceed to the next question, just to say, okay, well, like if that happened. Then what would it mean if it happened? Okay, if Jesus actually rose again, then what's the significance of that? Uh, this past fall, Krista and I had uh, got to uh, take our kids uh, to San Antonio because Enoch, our adopted son, uh, was becoming a U.S. citizen. And so he got to go, he had to go to this court in San Antonio to get, you know, stand before the, the, the court there and become a U.S. citizen and get his certificate. And so it was, it was, you know, we made a big deal out of it. It was a lot of fun. Enoch was super excited about it. And so we're driving to San Antonio and he's like, you know, on cloud nine because the day's all about him. And I say, so Enoch, um, what, what do you think being a U.S. citizen means? And he, he gets real quiet. And, uh, and after a bit, he says, I don't know. I just think it's cool, which is uh, <laughs> probably a parenting fail on my part. Like, we actually spent the rest of the time, like, pulled up the, 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 the government website and read, here's all the things that comes with the U.S. system. <laughs> and, and as we kept reading it, he, he's, he quit thinking it was nearly as cool as it was initially. But uh, <laughs> now he's still very cool. It was a fun day. But, I, you know, as I tell you that story because I think that for many of us, if you were put, to the, put on the spot that, and someone asked, like, okay, you believe Jesus rose again? And you're like, yeah, I do. Well, what does that mean? Why is that significant? I wonder how you would answer. My guess is that some of us would answer, maybe most of us would answer, I don't know. I just think it's cool. <laughs> but the truth is that this means so much, and really way more than I have time to get into this morning. I mean, I would love to talk about, like, if Jesus really rose again, then one of the things that that means is that this life is not all there is, right? I mean, there's more to life than this. It also means that that God cares not just about our soul, our spirit, but also our physical bodies as well. Jesus was physically risen and how that reflects and, and, and really gives us a, a picture of what eternity will be like that, that we will have a restored body living in a restored creation a new heavens and a new earth and it's going to be where everything is peace and it's just like what we long for I mean I could go on and on and on but I, but I don't have time this morning so let me just let me just hit on two things Two really significant things that Jesus' resurrection means. Specifically, significant things about what it means about who Jesus is and what he has done. And the first one is really big it's this <laughs> if, if Jesus rose again, then it means that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, Romans 1, verse 4 says this it says, Jesus has been declared to be the powerful Son of God by the resurrection. From the dead. Now, that means that the proof or the, the 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 declaration that Jesus is the Son of God was his resurrection. That if he truly died and he rose again, then this means he is God the Son. However, if he was not resurrected, if he did not come to back to uh, come back to life, then you can say all the things that people often like to say about Jesus. He was a good teacher, he was a good example. You know, he was a good man. But he wasn't God. But if Jesus really did rise again, then at least the Bible doesn't give us room to say those things only. The Bible says, say, no, no, if he rose again, then what that means is that he's the son of God. And therefore... He's worth worshiping and bowing to and submitting our lives to. You know what else this means, friends? If, it, if Jesus rose again, it means that he is God the Son, but it also means that God is like Jesus, because he is Jesus. See, if Jesus is the Son of God, then we are, God has revealed himself to us. And this blows me away. Because what we see in Jesus is that this is what God's like. He loves you. He loves you so much that he came after you. That that he is not absent from this world. He's not apathetic about what's going on here. He he doesn't, uh, you know, he's not distant. He actually has entered into our world in the pain and the brokenness to intervene, literally to rescue us. That's what God is like that God cares about you. And not only this, but it also means, and this just blows me away, it means that God is humble. See, because God would stoop down to our level and he would take on flesh and he would serve us by going to the cross on our behalf. What this means, friends, is that God has loved you with the love you have always longed for. What this means is that God is better than we would dare imagine. See, guys, what does the resurrection mean? It means that Jesus, if it happened, it means Jesus is God. And it also means that God is incredible. The other thing that the resurrection means, the second thing I'll hit on is this it means that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And if, huh, He's the Savior of the world, because look, in Romans, 4, verse 25, we're told, Jesus was put to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Meaning that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was God's declaration that the penalty of our sins had been paid in full. See, Jesus' resurrection means his death accomplished, what the Bible says, his death accomplished. Payment for all of your sins. Payment for all of my Sins. Again, to quote Tim Keller, because he's my favorite pastor, uh, but this time from his book, uh, King's Cross, this is what he says about this. He says, After a criminal does his time in jail and fully satisfies the sentence, the law has no more claim on him and he walks out free. Jesus comes to pay the penalty for our sins. That was an infinite sentence, but he must have satisfied it fully because on Easter Sunday, He walked out free. The resurrection was God's way of stamping paid in full right across history for all to see. And friends, this is where the resurrection of Jesus gets immensely personal for each one of us. For here is what the resurrection means. Yes, it means that Jesus is the Son of God, but it also means that that when Jesus died, He didn't just die As a loving example, but as our substitute, dying in my place, dying in your place for our sins, so that you could be forgiven by God, so that every sin you have committed, every sin that you will ever commit, has been paid for fully and finally by Jesus on the cross. See, guys, what does the resurrection mean? It means the cross was effective. It means that on the cross, Jesus paid the debt of your sins in full. And friends, that's the good news that we celebrate on Easter Sunday, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. See, if the resurrection happened, here's at least a part of what it means. It means that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is the Savior of the world. Which then leads us to the final question that we're going to spend some time on this morning as I wrap up. And that's this. Uh, If Jesus really did rise again, and if it means what the Bible says it means, then how should we respond? Like, what's a fitting response to this, to him? Just to mention two things. First is this. I already said it a little bit. If Jesus is the Son of God, then we should respond with worship. We should respond with worship. See, if he is God, then it means that he is worthy of our worship, which means that we're doing the right thing by gathering here this morning. So way to go. Way to go, guys. Um, but also we need to keep in mind that worship is not just an event that we attend for, you know, an hour a week on Sundays, nor is it a, a type of song that, that we sing, that worship is the recognition of what's most important in your life. That worship is uh, uh, the thing that you worship, what you value the most, what you're loyal to the most, what you love the most. And if the resurrection is true, and if it means that Jesus is the Son of God, then there is no one like him, and there will never be anyone like him. He is your all-powerful maker, the sustainer of your life, and the one who loves you, again, with the love that you've you've always longed for. That he is worthy of your worship like no one else, like nothing else. And so the question is, is will you worship him with your life? Will you see him as he is? And will you surrender? Say, okay, I'm going to do whatever you say you're going to do, that you tell me to do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to make my allegiance utmost to you. I'm going to love you with all my heart and soul, mind and strength. Friends, if you believe that Jesus rose again, then he, you know, is the son of God. Will you respond in a fitting way by worshiping him? And then the second thing, the second thing that this means is this, the fitting way for us to respond is that if Jesus is the savior of the world who died for our sins, then we should respond with faith. Specifically, faith or trust in what he did to reconcile you To God forever. For you see, there's nothing we can do on our own that can ever make us right with God. There's no amount of good things that we can do that will make God overlook how we have failed to love people perfectly. There's no amount of good things we can do to make God overlook the lies that we tell or how we hurt people. See, God is a just God, and though he loves us, he can't overlook wrongdoings. We would never call a judge just if he overlooked wrongdoings in the court case. God being holy, he can't overlook that. So no matter the good things we do, it will never wash us clean of the wrong things, the sinful things, the hurtful things, the unloving things that we have done. There's nothing we can do in ourselves to make us right. With God, the only thing that can make us right with God is faith in Jesus' death on our behalf. It's trusting in what Jesus has done for us. That's the only thing that can make us right with God. And So let me be honest with you. I think the hardest challenge to becoming a Christian is not coming to the point that you believe the historical evidence of the resurrection. I mean, just honestly, I think that the evidence is overwhelming. I think that the hardest part of becoming a Christian is the fact that you have to die to your pride. Because it's having to humbly admit that you need a Savior. I need a Savior, that we all need a Savior, but we do. We really do. And the good news is, of Easter Sunday is that we have one we have the Savior that we desperately need in Jesus Christ the Son of God who died in our place on the cross and rose again so that we can be reconciled to God forgiven of our sins and having the hope of eternity with him forever and evermore that's the good news of Easter Sunday and so my question for you friends as if you haven't ever trusted in Jesus as your Savior, would you consider doing that now as the fitting response, that if he did rise, and it means what the Bible says it means, then one of the things we should do is respond with faith. Romans 10, 8, and 9 makes it very clear what God asks of us in response to what he has done for us. Here's what it says. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And this morning, as I end, my question to each one of us is this. Will you confess that Jesus is Lord, and will you believe that God raised him from the dead today? Today, will you make that decision so you can be saved from your sins and be forgiven and adopted into the family of God? So as we close, I want to just give you an opportunity to do that right now, so no pressure. If you're not ready, don't. You don't have to do this. <laughs> no one's gonna check in on you. Like you just. This is between you and God. But as a fitting response to what we're celebrating on Easter, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if you will b- bow your head, and and you just between you and God quietly, uh, just uh, you don't say it out loud. But if you if you're ready. If you feel like, okay, I believe this and I trust in Jesus as my Savior, then you can just say this along with me, quietly between you and God. Pray with me, friends. Father, I confess I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus is Lord and he died in my place and rose again. I'm placing all my trust in him alone to make me eternally right with you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death for me and his resurrection. Amen. Friends, our God is so good. Jesus is the ultimate proof of that. May we respond now, worshiping him for who he is and what he has done. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.